Welcome once again to another edition of the Brattlecast with Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston. That is the website, brattlebookshop.com. I'm Jordan Rich, and this podcast is about the books, the stories behind them, and uh, more than just books often is the case, magazines, posters, memorabilia, you name it. We're going to rock this place a little bit today, aren't we, Ken? Uh, we're going to try. <laughs> uh, I got in an interesting collection in the last month, and it was basically a man who had collected books on rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. There are some subjects that you go to a person's house and they have, and you know they're interested, they're very academic, it's fine, but every time I've gone into someone's house, especially if they've either had jazz or rock and roll, they're excited about it. Uh, the memories it brings back. Sure. It's fun. And uh, this person particularly was interested in Dylan, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, uh, the Doors, and sort of go on from there. And one of the things that I found when I started looking at the books, and there weren't, there were a couple of very good ones, but most of them were not particularly valuable. But Next thing I know, I'm talking about concerts I went to. I went home with some of the collection, and Joyce and I have been sort of making a list of some of the concerts that we had been to. And this just, the collection that somebody else got together of books that were a lot of fun and really they had a passion for just brought out so many memories that I had gone to this one or that one or some other one, and is, I got does, to talk a little bit. Does that too. explain why you're here in the studio with bell-bottoms, beads, and long hair all of a sudden? Is that uh, Well, the long hair, yeah. That's <laughs> not, no. Uh, but, you know, it, it's funny. I didn't have the beads, the bell-bottoms, and the longer hair somewhere. We all did in the but, 60s uh, and 70s. <laughs> but the, the thing about some collections, the, the book, well, the one book that was very valuable in it is he was a, a big uh, Dylan fan, and he had gone to the 1965 Newport Folk Festival. That's where all the controversy occurred. Yeah, and he had the brochure and the program for it. Now, if you have a 1964 Newport Folk Festival or a 1966 Newport Folk Festival program, they're nice. They, they might get 20 or $25. If you have the 1965... They might get $2,500. By the way, if they'll just toss a name out, I'm sure you knew him. George Ween. Did you know George? George Ween, absolutely. The promoter of those concert series. The the promoter of the concert series. Well, first of all, let me see so the people know. The 1965 Newport Folk Festival was when Dylan brought an electric guitar. Which at the time was, oh. uh, it, it was, the, people were the just heavens so. heavens opened up. They were just so outraged. They, they were so outraged. But of course, <laughs> he was Bob Dylan, too. And even in 65, he could do that. But that's why that particular one is so valuable. And George Weem, who was the producer of that, he had an office in Alston, uh, right across from uh, a steakhouse and a pizza place. And, uh, you know, he put on some of the greatest concerts in the Boston area. But when you went into his office, there was memorabilia everywhere, but everything was so disorganized. There were just heaps and piles of paper. And yeah. and, you, and I'm going, someone needs to get this together and get it to an institution where people can study 
what oh, he did. Oh, I, I know exactly what you did. I've interviewed him. He's passed on now, but yep. tremendously colorful character. And in so many of the Newport Jazz Festivals, he sponsored and ran and produced just a, the greatest of all greats. So um, that's an interesting connection. That so that would be worth twenty five hundred as opposed to twenty five. Twenty five. <laughs> well, because if you it ask has notoriety, if right. you ask anybody, you know that was one of yeah. the seminal moments in folk history. And uh, George Weem also booked uh, at clubs. He had Paul's Mall's Jazz Workshop, which I went to, and there was a lot more clubs around. Yeah, at and the there time. were guys. And these are just local names, but some people might remember Lenny Sagaloff, um, uh, of course, uh, Freddie uh, Taylor. I mean, yeah. these are, in Boston, these were the impresarios, and George was one of them. Well, one of the things that, like I say, that this brought back to my uh, myself and memories was my. I've been married over 40 years. We met in the late 70s, so even— close to 45 years ago. But when we were recounting what jazz, what concerts we went to, and my wife Joyce went to a lot of interesting ones. One of the most famous she went to was when the Rolling Stones one time came to Boston Garden to play. And, you know, it was a big thing, completely sold out. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. Now, the... Uh, sort of the first group to come on to sort of get the show going was Little Stevie Wonder. <laughs> so, so at the time that was, and Little Stevie ended up playing for over three and a half hours at that concert. <laughs> wow! What happened was the Rolling Stones flew into Providence. They got into an altercation and punched one of the reporters. Were there, and the Providence police arrested them. So. Once that got done and you had a sold-out Boston Garden of Rolling Stones fans, Kevin White, who was the mayor at the time, called the mayor of Providence and said, you've got to get these guys up here or we're going to have a riot. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had the state police escort the Rolling Stones but to Boston Stevie, Garden. But Stevie Wonder, who was little Stevie Wonder <laughs> at, at the, the time, who was just a young guy, uh, took it on himself and, and saved the day probably, S kept the music the going. And, and, you know, three and a half hours of Stevie Wonder playing was not the worst thing in the no, world. No, no, it could, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and again, uh, it's so funny you bring this up because Kevin, Kevin White <clears throat> was instrumental when the uh, riots broke out in 68 with James Brown. It's just another story for another time, yeah. I realize it. But that's so interesting. Well, I, I remember the uh, when in 1968 when Martin Luther King was yeah, uh, that's what killed I and assassinated. Yeah. Uh, the Doors were playing at a place, Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin, uh, which was how it was billed. And uh, there was another group that same night. Uh, two of the concerts got postponed, but the Doors did play. And it was a big question, should they play to keep people off the street or is it too dangerous to have people come out? But But that's what this collection sort of – brought out to me. Can it, we can we describe what you brought? Because I am just salivating over those magazines. Well, I brought a few Life magazines. Now, one that I never did see was the Beatles. I didn't go to Shea Stadium. You didn't go to Lynn? I, yeah, I didn't go to Lynn. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you see these old Lifes. And then, then you see uh, the Life magazine. 
they put out a special issue. This wasn't the weekly issue, but this was all on Woodstock. Woodstock Music Festival for a dollar twenty-five, a Life magazine special edition. Wow. Well, and also I think the tickets, if I remember right, for Woodstock were twenty-five dollars. I think for the three days or the night, which I did go to. Oh, uh, you did? Yeah, I, I did oh, go to. God. Although, boy, was uh, that was an interesting uh, concert <laughs> in time and. Uh, just getting there was uh, – uh, the traffic was backed up for miles and miles oh, and farmer, miles. the farmer's traffic. In the farmer's traffic. But that's what I loved about this collection. It brought back a lot of memories. But then my wife and I, we were going over. They used to have another series was at Harvard Stadium. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the beer companies uh, sponsored it. It was in the early 70s. And they had for two dollars, you could go in, and they had they had Van Morrison, they had uh, John Sebastian, they had just it was a couple of concerts a week. But we were trying the one of the concerts I was saying to my wife, I went to Janis Joplin. Uh, she played there. It was her last concert before she, she died. She died about a month later. Wow! But not only was the concert interesting. But the morning of the concert, someone stole all the stage equipment. Oh, so they had to get that done. But we we were talking about it, and Joyce went to that concert. I went to that concert. For all I know, I could have been sitting next to her, but we didn't know each other at the time. Wow. But there's, there's another show because another one that we really, really happy that we went to, and this is a really – a major find. If anybody's listening to this and can help me out with it, because I've asked friends, I've asked uh, people who are big into uh, rock and roll. In 1968, I believe, I went to a concert at the South Shore Music Circus in Cohasset. It was one of those circles in the round. Still there. Still there. And I saw Jimi Hendrix. Now, my wife also went to that concert and remembers, again, we didn't know each other, but everybody we talked to insists he never played at the South Shore Music Circus. I'm going to do you a big favor. Yeah. I have contacts and connections at the South Shore Music Circus. Let me look into this for you because I'm intrigued. See, I know I brought it because, up. Because there are literally, I would say, thousands of performers who have performed there, right, for 50, yeah. 60 years. And uh, that would have been... I hate to say it, but that would have been the place that the Lawrence Welk Orchestra would have also performed. Oh, yeah. But wouldn't it have been amazing? So you think that's where you were when well, you saw Well, you know, I, I've so many people have told me he never played there that I, if it was just me who went, I doubt myself. I, I know. But, I thought he, but Joyce, your but wife. My, my wife oh, remembers as a teenager that she went she's there. She's more too. honest than you'll ever be, so I would well, believe her. <laughs> Well, it's not even, but the fact that both of us went there, but everything we've done, and there's one person in particular who insists, and the reason they insist on it, it's not on the internet. Now, it could be that we both have, we've talked ourselves into this. It could be that we, you know, we both went to its different venue or so on. But, All right, let me ask you this. Were you at Fenway Park when Williams hit his last home run? Because uh, no, apparently I, millions were there. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't at the last game. Yeah. When we, the, the game I remember that millions weren't at was uh, my favorite game at Fenway Park beyond the first game I went to with my father when I was eight years old. Yep. And uh, the favorite one was 
and it was in 1964, I think, Earl Wilson pitched a no-hitter. And uh, he was the first black man in modern baseball to pitch a no-hitter. That's right. It was one of the most exciting games I've ever been to. Pete Reynolds, who was on the team at that time, made great catches. Gary Geiger made great catches. In addition to pitching a no-hitter, the winning home run was hit by Earl Wilson. That's a beautiful story. You don't forget something like that. Yeah, so, uh, no, but I was not at the Ted Williams last... uh, So, getting back to the collection, uh, and we'll we'll do some research on all of your questions, of course, but uh, getting back to the question, the, the books you brought... You've got a book on Hendricks. You've got a book on Dylan. Just a smattering of things you have, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, well, that's that was uh, what this person had. And uh, he had a lot on guitars. I guess he was a guitar player. and But one of the reasons that a collection or what you never know what you're going to see or who you're going to meet, his collection was his love. But the minute I saw it, it sort of brought back maybe slightly different memories, maybe slightly different things, but it brought back for me. And when I put them on the shelves of the store, I realized why these were selling well, because of people of our age or even people who are still following well, some we, of these Well, you and I have done so many. We've done close to 200 episodes, and oftentimes we, we talk about a subject that might be more specific, more targeted, uh, particular, I mean, anything. But music is so wide-ranging, and it's not just the music, but it's where, as you say, where you were when you heard it, yeah. when, when you bought your first album. One of the reasons those shows were so cheap, I think, was because the idea was they had to sell albums. They wanted to sell records. That doesn't happen any as much anymore. Well, no, actually, we uh, we actually have a customer who is a very good customer. He comes in. And he buys a lot of art books and very scholarly and literature. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell the story. But uh, what he said is in the music business, at the time, a lot of the uh, – what it got to be was they put out the albums so they could do the concerts and they made huge amounts of money in the concerts. Oh, yeah, yes. Now – Whereas before it used to be they did the concert so they'd sell the albums. Yeah, I, uh, it, 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 the whole thing is flipped, absolutely. And, uh, and this person is, like I say, a very literate scholar, Peter, Peter Wolf. Oh, P- Peter Wolf of uh, uh, Jay, Giles. Jay Giles' band, who's, who's one of these. We're lucky to have him in Boston still. He's, he's a Boston yeah, the, icon in a sense. And the only thing I'm frustrated with Peter Wolf is. He plays at a lot of venues that every once in a while I go mm-hmm. to, but somehow he manages to pick dates every single time where I've got something else I have to do. And uh, I was also very disappointed, but this is a customer who comes in, um, that he came in fifth for the voting of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, in the uh, in, he had to be in the first four. Uh, let me tell you something. The, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of all the halls has to be the most controversial because of all the entries and those who are not there. But it, be uh, that as it may. It's fun, though. <laughs> it I'll, is I'll tell fun. you, I've been there. It's a lot of fun. So I ramble a little in this thing. But just seeing a few of the books that came in in this collection brought back so many memories for me that – not all the collections do that. A lot of times when we go into a house, we buy the books. Obviously, I want to sell them. They can be a fun collection. They really turn other people on. We sell them, make a profit, obviously. 
but they don't hit me like, oh, when I saw it, yes, and that concert and this one and Absolutely. Did this individual that you purchased these books from, did he also have personalized, signed copies of albums or books or anything like the that? The family kept all those. Well, yeah, but I would imagine a yeah. guy who collects books and memorabilia would have that connection yeah. backstage. And, and particularly, um, he particularly uh, with Dylan, I guess, and, uh, and uh, went to a lot of the concerts. One other thing I'll add into this mm-hmm. uh and again, sometimes I can vary on subject. Uh, another recommendation I have for people if they're into this music, if you, we did, my wife and I did this. We did a road trip from Sarasota, Florida to Tulsa, Oklahoma when I was doing an antiques road show. Mm-hmm. We figured Tulsa, what, you know, Tulsa, it's, you know. Besides what, the new we, TV series for Sylvester Stallone. I'll tell you, though. <laughs> they have the Woody Guthrie Museum there. Oh, cool. And they have just building or have built the Bob Dylan Museum across the street. If you have any chance to go to Tulsa, spend a day or two, those museums, it, it's worth it. And Nashville is another spot. Oh, well, Nashville. To. That's every, just. Everybody knows about Nashville. Yeah, you just <laughs> but, share the secret, though, that, about Tulsa. Tulsa. Go okay. to Tulsa. Well, one thing's for sure. When you visit, uh, just go to the website, of course, which we'll tell you about. But when you visit the store, which is historic and iconic and everything else, there's so much of it that is indeed fun. I mean, I'm a movie buff, and I can just lose myself in all the movie books and the memorabilia. But this was great. And uh, with your okay, I want to look at some more of the ads in Life magazine from what? September 1968. Wow. It's, you know, and that's. When you get into a lot of this older material, uh, that's a lot of the fun, too. It's just seeing how the dress changed. Excuse me. I thought this guy, Paul, was dead. No? No. (laughs) Only in one of the albums. Okay, thank you. He's (laughs) – we had a lot of fun with this one. He's Ken Gloss. I'm Jordan Rich. Remember to go to brattlebookshop.com if you're from out of town and many of you listening all over the world. Uh, Make it a a point to stop at the site, but make it a point to stop at the store. Ken, we'll see you next time. I have fun, and I have some more stuff next time. Can't wait. 